I'm your host, Lee W. Johnson, and welcome to my podcast, where I talk about all things related to magic, witchcraft, demonolatry, and a whole load of other related things. If you would like to find out more about me, get in touch with me, or hire me for a service, please go to my website, leewjohnson.com, or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. Welcome back. Hope you had a brilliant uh, weekend. All right. Um, so today is really just a uh, book recommendation day. Um, there was one book that I, I'm not particularly fond of, um, but there's a few that I am finding to be extremely good. So I thought I would just talk about them. Okay, books. I love books. I absolutely love books. Um, and I'm going to bring up Scribd again, or Scribd, depending on how you prefer to actually uh, say that name, that, that, the company's name. Um, I absolutely loved Scribd, or love Scribd. Um, and there's one main reason for it, or two actually. I mean, one, you pay a subscription fee per month, which is a lot less than what you would pay if you were buying paperbacks. Uh, the amount that I read anyway. Um, you should just pay one subscription fee a month and you can add whatever books you want to your library and what happens is the author gets paid 5% if you read up to, if I remember correctly, 20% of the book. If you read beyond 20% of the book they could get paid the full amount. So even if you put stuff in your library um, it just sits there in your library until you actually read it and then the author gets paid for it. Um, but what I particularly like about Scribd is that they have audiobooks and ebooks. And in a lot of cases, they have the, you know, depending on, you know, obviously if the author has actually recorded an audiobook, um, then what, you, what you'll find often is that there's the ebook and the audiobook of the same book. And what I like to do, and this allows me to absolutely gobble up books, um, is I listen to the ebook or sorry the audiobook and I put it on 1.5 or 1.8 speed so I can get through it really really quickly but while I'm listening to it I'm also reading it at the same time so I'm following along I don't read the read as fast as what I'm listening to um, but when I'm actually following along when I'm reading the book along with the audio which is going at 1.8 speed um, I'm taking it in so I find that this is extremely beneficial for me anyway, um, and it allows me to get through uh, books and consume books. I absolutely, I do, I really, I eat books this way. Um, I'm actually going through Castaneda's uh, books again and uh, doing it this way because on Scribd you'll find the ebook and the audiobook uh, in there. So they were, it's, it's quite strange though, they were all all of the ebooks and the audiobooks were in there, but what they do every now and again, it seems, because they, they did it with my books, um, is that they um, you can put it into your library, but it will only be available on a certain date. So every now and again, they seem to, I, th I think it's, they're trying to create demand or something. Um, you sometimes have to wait for the book to become available. 
Um, and I've had books in my library which were available, which all of a sudden didn't, weren't available and only available on a particular date. Um, so I think, they, as I said, they try and do this to create demand. Um, so I've got no problem with that. I get to read it eventually anyway. Um, so yeah, I've been going through Castaneda's books, um, consuming those, but there's a variety of other books that I've been, that I have read and am reading, which I wanted to mention. Um, the one I wasn't, I'm not particularly fond of is The Art and Practice of Astral Projection by Madame H.P. H. Blavatsky. Um, now Blavatsky started the Theosophical Society um, back in the early 1900s. Um, and is a very prominent author and a very prominent figure within the um, Western mystery tradition um, because of, you know, the avenues that, that she went down. Um, what I do find very difficult and, you know, I, I don't know if we can partly blame it on the times, but, you know, back then, the view was this whole thing of um, if you are practicing what we are practicing, it's um, enlightening and it's enlightenment and such such things. Whereas the savages are not practicing the same thing and therefore they're practicing black magic. Um, and that's the whole attitude she has. Um, and you know, I was listening to the audiobook of this, and it, she says it. But what I did find quite um, weird was that because Blavatsky comes from a very much um, all of the, the the lingo and the terminology that uh, Blavatsky uses is very much from Hinduism um, so she you know especially in the astral well I was listening to the one about the astral projection um, but it, it all relates back to Hinduism Hindu practices um, and she goes into things like um, Bon Buddhism um, being savage and, you know, there's, there's a lot of tantric practices which are uh, vile and things like that. Uh, obviously don't agree with that, um, but I carried on because, you know, it was her perspective, it was her view, I want the information that she's trying to give about the astral projection. But she got to this point where, I mean, as I said, bear in mind, it's all this terminology from Hinduism. Um, but then there's this point where she starts talking about Kali and how vile and evil Kali is and Kali's um, followers are um, practicing these horrible things and you know if, if you are that immersed in Hindu um, religion and Hindu tradition you kind of would have realized what Kali is actually representing um, and it's definitely not that typical Christianized, westernized view of what Kali is. So that, it, it put me off. Um, I'll probably finish it, finish the book at some stage, but it definitely put me off. There are some very interesting um, things in there, though, ideologies, practices. Um, she kind of goes through the different um, levels, layers, spheres, realms um, of the astral planes um, and talks about the inhabitants of these planes and and such things so it is a very interesting book um, there's a lot of information we can glean from it but it's just yeah just I hit those spots and I kind of just shut down for a while until I can get myself past it 
Um, some other good books. Uh, the Pillars of Tubal Cain, Nigel Jackson. I read that one again. And, you know, Nigel Jackson writes from a traditional witchcraft point of view. However, this very much... Um, he, he's, he talks in this book specifically, he talks about um, the Western mystery tradition, Western mystery tradition um, and the integration that happened from the East and from the West, um, you know, Babylonian, Sumerian, um, such influences, Egyptian, etc. Um, and this book is very much or revolves along around Luciferian tradition. Um, it revolves around Lucifer, it revolves very much around the Grigori and the Watchers, the Fallen Angels. Um, you know, at the end of the book he does get into Michael and, and Javiel and, and such archangels, um, but there is, the discussion is mostly around the Luciferian um, and talking about Shemyaza, uh, Samael um, and such entities. So it is very much focused on the angelic um, beings, the divine intelligences, but it, it gives a lot of parallels between all different traditions from Egypt and Sumeria and Babylonian and, and um, um, Persian and such things. Um, so it is a very, very interesting read um, and definitely recommended. Another book which I, I've had this book for a long time, um, the Secret History of Lucifer by Lynn, was it Lynn Picknett? Um, it's, uh, yeah, The Secret History of Lucifer and the Meaning of the True Da Vinci Code. Um, I, I've had this book for a long time. I can't remember when I bought it. It was years and years ago. Um, I do remember when I initially tried to read it, I thought it was very Christianized and it was just going to bash Lucifer. So I kind of put it down, um, but I picked it up recently again, and it's it's a very 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 interesting read. And um, if you look into Lynn Picknett's books, um, she does co-author with with various authors. The topics revolve very much around um, Jesus and Mary Magdalene, but it really is a theosophical. Um, uh, examination, uh, a myth mythological examination of the actual mysteries of, of or biblical mysteries. Um, and it, it's, I would definitely not say she's Christian. Um, she, <laughs> she picks things to pieces and she examines them um, from a perspective, from a very Gnostic perspective, actually. There is a lot of mention of Gnosticism in here. Um, but it's an incredibly interesting read and it doesn't just stick with Lucifer itself. Uh, she goes into um, the aspect of um, like like in France, uh, Mary is, is called Mary Lucifer and she goes into um, uh, uh, Diana Lucifera. Um, so she actually examines the whole Luciferian aspect from the perspective of Christ, the biblical aspects, and also parallels them with um, the Middle Eastern traditions. Uh, but she also goes into the feminine. Uh, she examines Lilith. Um, she examines Mary Magdalene. Um, so it, it is an incredibly interesting, I'm still busy with it, so I can't really, I haven't finished it, I'm only about uh, a third of the way through. 
So we'll finish that. I've got some other books I'm trying to get through at the moment. Um, but yeah, very interesting read if you actually want to pick that up and uh, have a look at it. I definitely recommend it. Um, so the, the Pillars of Tubal Cain and that one are from a Luciferian perspective. Oh, and also, I haven't got to that part yet, but she examines Leonardo da Vinci's uh, Luciferian ties. Um, you know, the whole uh, there's the whole idea that um, the Shroud of Turin, which has said to have the face of Christ imprinted on it, was actually um, da Vinci experimenting with um, uh, uh, photography, early, very early photography, um, and it's actually his face on, on the shroud. So, um, yeah, it goes into all of that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get to that part. All right, then um, pick this one up at the local bookstore um, last week. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. And uh, I don't usually read a book in a day or two, but this one was very good. Uh, the Cauldron, in, oh sorry, The Flame in the Cauldron by Orion uh, Foxwood. Um, I recently was listening to Peter Padden's podcast, uh, The Crooked Path, uh, when he, I've, I saved them back, back in the day when he um, was, well, when they were, when they were aired. Uh, so I have them stored and so I re-listened to them and there was actually an interview with Orion Foxwood and very interesting character. He is from three different um, backgrounds really. It's traditional witchcraft, there is Appalachian um, Southern Kunja type working and also um, fairy tradition. Um, and within the fairy tradition he is a seer and what I found interesting was that uh, it was at one of the um, conventions for paganism. Can't remember which one they were they were they were, doing, they were at though. But uh, Peter interviewed him at the convention, and he was Orion Foxwood was one of the speakers, and he was saying that the funny thing is that the people who arrange the convention obviously want to know what topic you're going to be talking about, so they can put it in the program. And he gives them a topic, but also informs them, and they know by now that um, when he before he steps on stage, the topic's probably going to change. Uh, because he's a seer, he's having constant messages from um, his uh, fairy companions and, and, uh, and such things. So what happens is he gets a message before he steps on stage to actually talk, and that's the topic he talks about, because, and that's the topic that comes across to the audience that is currently sitting there. So I thought that was quite interesting, but a very interesting person. And this book is extremely interesting. This is the book which discusses um, traditional witchcraft um, and a lot of, not specifically uh, the fairy tradition he follows. Uh, I think that was in another book. Um, but this doesn't get into the usual traditional witchcraft that we, we often find in books. This is very much from his own personal, um, what he was taught by various teachers um, and it goes into things like the witch blood and the witch flame um, it goes into the three suns the central sun the black sun or the midnight sun and then the the heart sun which is within us how to it, there's exercises and how to bring these together and ignite the witch flame um, and it's it, it's really it's just one of those reads that I, I couldn't put down so 
um, and I I do find that when I when I'm actually reading a book I do get very sleepy um, so for me to not be able to put a book down it's usually a good read I find anyway all right then uh, what else do we have on the list here um, I'm currently listening to the audiobook dreaming wide awake by David J Brown um, the very very interesting book um, I, I, if you're interested in lucid dreaming I would definitely recommend getting this um, it's I, I do believe I have to, as I said I'm still listening to it I do believe he will go into more spiritual the more spiritual side of lucid dreaming because he does speak about bond shamanism um, and the um, the practices from of lucid dreaming from Hinduism and things like that um, but he is a he's a psychonaut he takes um, psychedelics or he has done for years and years to aid in his lucid dreaming um, so you've got that aspect of the psychedelic which he discusses he's also he also discusses the actual science within the brain the science of actually actual sleeping um, and then starts examining um, triggers um, in order to get into lucid dreaming how to stay awake while your body keep your mind awake while your body is um, asleep um, and there's all these different practices that, that he discusses so it really does it's a I mean I've read several uh, lucid dreaming books and this one really examines it from a lot of different angles and a lot of different perspectives um, so I'm finding this to be a very very good book then um, okay, I've discussed that one on the Toltec path Kenny Eagle Feather now as I said in the beginning I am reading all of or Castaneda's books again um, I have these periods where I just get totally immersed in Castaneda um, now this this on the Toltec path by Ken, Ken Eaglefeather um, I've read like uh, Victor Sanchez um, who also discusses Toltec practices um, but what I find good about this particular book by Ken Eaglefeather is that he takes all of the terminology um, what what you might find if you do get into Castaneda and you've been practicing a variety of different other paths witchcraft um, Western mystery tradition um, Thelema Golden Dawn whatever it may be Wicca etc 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 there's a kind of a, a, a similar terminology that you find within those things when you get to Castaneda and Don Juan's teachings that terminology differs a great deal um, you've got stalking and dreaming um, you've got the different attentions you've got um, you know and when we talk about he talks about the dreaming body um, you can equate these things to things like astral bodies like and, and dreaming and when we're talking about stalking it's about stalking energy um, you stalk energy in order to gather it and use it within your practice and specifically in, in, in dreaming um, but as I said there's all this terminology which gets a bit difficult to understand sometimes and in Kenny, Ken Eaglefeather's book he takes all of that terminology and he discusses it so he breaks it down uh, extremely well and he also changes some of the terminology to suit his own um, uh, preference really 
Um, I've forgotten what he called because he kept, keeps dreaming his dreaming, but he changes stalking to. Uh, I can't remember now. Completely forgotten. I keep thinking hunting, but it's not hunting. Um, but anyway, he, he changes the terminology, changes warrior into ranger. I'm not sure why. Um, but he, he right in the beginning, he discusses why he's using these terms and why it better fits his own personal um, understandings. Um, but then he starts going through, he discusses um, uh, stalking itself and he discusses intent and impeccability and everything. He just, he breaks it down so well. So it gives you, it allows you to get a better understanding of all of the terminology that Castaneda uses. And I'm still busy with that one. I almost finished with it. Um, I believe at the, the last chapter, he discusses actual practices and steps you can take to help you with all of these things. Um, so I'm looking forward to the end of that one as well. Uh, you'll probably notice that, as I said, I do read a lot, but I also read multiple books at the same time. Um, let's see, I'm currently reading On the Toltec Path, I'm listening to Dreaming Wide Awake, I am listening to Castaneda and reading Castaneda, and also have to finish this one. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a, a book nerd, what can I say? Okay, um, I think that gives you plenty of reading material anyway that I would, I would recommend um, and bear in mind that I am as I said on the Castaneda wagon at the moment so a lot of the stuff that I'm reading is revolving a lot of, a lot around Toltec um, but mostly dreaming um, the dreaming aspect of it so um, I'm going a lot into that so that's why the book recommendations have a lot of dreaming in Toltec stuff in it. Okay, so that's my book recommendations for this particular moment. Okay, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Okay, back to the questions and ask Lee. All right, um, today's questions come from Sarah V and Zamage. I'm putting them both together because they're both related to ancestors. Okay, so let's, uh, as per usual, if you've watched these before, you know, if you haven't, if you have any questions that you would like me to answer in the slot, then please add them um, in the comments to one of the Ask Lee videos and I will add it to the list, the growing list. I've got stray beard hairs. There we go. Okay, so the first question is from Sarah V. Hi Lee, what is your take on ancestral magic and how can connecting with and including your ancestors in your practice benefit your spell work? I just began connecting with sorry, I just began connecting with my ancestors and it has caused a lot of change in my daily practice. Thank you for the inf informational videos, as always. Um, so ancestral work is kind of a, one of those big, huge topics. And what you find most cultures throughout history and throughout the world um, have some kind of ancestral uh, veneration, some kind of, an some kind of ancestral working that they do. 
and they each come with their own uh, interpretations and their own perspectives and in some cases their own rules. Um, so it very much depends all on if you have a living tradition within your own culture or within your own family and things like that. Um, if you don't, then it's a case of creating it yourself, reconstructing it really. Um, but when you do work with the ancestors, you will find that, you know, it does, it can take up a lot of time um, if you're working specifically with the ancestors. A lot of people work only with the ancestors. They will not work with other spirits. They will not work with other gods or goddesses. Um, it's purely just ancestral based. Um, others will incorporate more into that. Um, and when it comes to the ancestors, as I said, very, very, very big topic. And when we think of ancestors, um, this probably comes from a Western idea that ancestors are purely just our blood relations. Uh, it's just our family our immediate family um, and where our blood and DNA uh, originate from and things like that. But that's not actually the case when it comes to ancestral working. Um, when we're talking about ancestral working, we are talking about um, teachers. We are talking about um, those um, that have gone before us and those who are yet to come. Um, you must also remember that, you know, within many traditions, there is no such thing as past, present and future. There is only the now. Everything is happening within the moment um, in all timelines. Um, so we, <coughs> we often speak of ancestors um, gone and ancestors yet to come, um, past and future to put into that relationship in all that relation. Um, so, you know, we, and ancestors also cover, as I said, teachers, they can cover, um, those that have, those that have gone or yet to come who are attracted to us, who find that they want to work with us for some other or other reason, um, they can become ancestors. And this is far beyond blood relations. Um, you know, in, uh, in the Nordic traditions, we have the Alfar and the Disa, and the Alfar are often considered to be male ancestors, and the Disa are considered to be the um, female ancestors. Um, so we have the Alfar, I mean, a lot of these are often considered to be the elves, um, so our ancestors extend into, into those areas as well. Um, we can consider the ancestors ancestors to be gods and goddesses. Um, so, you know, there's a big, broad, this is a huge, big, broad topic, um, and obviously depends on your own take on it. Um, sorry, let me just go back to the question in case I'm missing something. Uh, what is your take on ancestral magic, and how can connecting with and including your ancestors in your practice benefit your spell work? Um, well, that's, you see, this, this depends on, on where you want to base this idea of ancestor. If it is gods and goddesses um, and, and such things, in a lot of spell working, a lot of people will petition the deities um, in order to add energy to their spell working. So um, we can 
probably do the same with the ancestors. Uh, you know, not everybody's going to agree with me on this, um, but this is my own personal take. Um, I think the ancestors are, I, f I find them to be very guiding. Um, they will direct your life in certain ways um, and down certain paths in order to attain what you should attain or what you should get in your life. So when it comes to spell work, if you're trying to um, manipulate things in order to get go down a particular route, you can ask the ancestors for assistance there. Um, I've, I find I've, I find the ancestors are very much um, family. It's just you know it really is family. Um, and whereas we may go to our family every now and again to ask for assistance on something because we are in a bit of a, a bind, um, we can do that with the ancestors. Uh, but at the same time, you can sit down and have a cup of coffee with um, your sister or your brother or your your mother or father and whoever it may be in your family that you connect with in that in that way. Just sit down and have a cup of coffee and a chat, and you know, once a week or something like that. Same with the ancestors, um, you know, sit down, have a chat, have a talk with them, tell them how your day's been. Um, so it really has that kind of family relationship and because it's a family relationship, because there is that, that bond uh, which develops, then you'll probably find that they are very loving towards you. They are very protective um, in a lot of cases. You, for protective working, you can call on, on a protective ancestor um, to aid in that. So the ancestors really are quite potent and powerful. And I think in a lot of cases they are disregarded and they shouldn't be. Um, it is kind of a, a huge rabbit hole to go down, but it's definitely worth it. Um, all right, so let's go on to the second question which is also ancestral. This is from Zamage. Um, on last week's Ask Lee, which was now a while back, um, I mentioned a helper of mine that is the spirit of a deceased bird. I believe you said you would categorize that not as a familiar, but as an ancestor, which I found interesting. Perhaps you could elaborate on that in one of these videos. So, I'd, you know, the thing is, I can't say whether it was um, a familiar, whether it was an ancestor. Um, it's, I don't know the relationship you had, therefore I can't really say, but um, I think when it comes to animals, we immediately class them in this familiar category, whereas animals can also be ancestors. Um, and I think we forget about that quite a bit. So I just wanted to basically say that, you know, keep your mind open to the possibilities. And the thing is, if it's a familiar or ancestor, there's very smudgy lines that, that go on here. So we can't, you know, when we're talking about these topics, we can cross over between the two quite easily. Um, a familiar can cover also cover a lot of different aspects, a lot of different things. And, um, but, you know, what I was trying to say was, just because it was an animal, it it could have been ancestral. Um, the spirit of a bird can be ancestral. It can you can put it on your ancestral too. You can talk to it as you would with all the other ancestors. 
Um, in, in the case of a familiar, a familiar is often in some regards a fetch um, and in that case it's usually considered to be an animal um, but it can also be a person. Um, you know, this is the problem. We kind of classify ancestors as just being people and we classify familiars as just being animal and it's not the case. It does, as I said, big, huge, smudgy lines. Um, we don't like to uh, kind of within the, within the box, within the, the lines. So big, smudgy lines, um, familiars can be people and animals, ancestors can be people and animals. Um, and you know, the, the, in many cases, they can probably be the same thing at the end of the day. Um, but I think it, it all boils down to the interaction you have um, and the relationship you have and things that, that are done, like for instance, the fetch. The fetch in, in this instance would be a, a spirit which goes out and fetches things. And that's why it's called a fetch. Um, but in other, other instances, a fetch can be a spirit, it can be part of your soul, the fetch mate and the fetch beast we speak of, which is very different to that familiar which goes out and fetches things for you, fetches information, uh, fetches power, whatever it may be. But it's that, it's that companion that you work with in your magic to go out and fetch things. Um, and as I said, that extends into other categories, other areas as well. So big, smudgy, fuzzy lines as usual. All right. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it is important to not try. I mean, I do it all the bloody time um, and I've, I do it less now because, you know, kind of whack myself over the head several times. Um, we take a concept and we put it into this tiny little box and that has to fit in that box. So familiar is over here, ancestor is over here and it has to fit into those boxes or we don't know what the hell it is. Um, forget the boxes, open the boxes up, open all the boxes up, let everything come out and let it all play together because that's the only way things really make sense and don't make sense at the same time. Um, it's the the known, the unknown, and the unknowable. Um, they all exist in the same space, um, but we try and categorize everything and put everything into tiny, tiny little boxes. Just let them all play, and we'll be fine at the end of the day. All right. Um, so you know, we. <laughs> I mean, I'm on on a YouTube channel trying to describe things and explain things and which kind of ends up putting things into tiny little boxes and categories but at the end of the day we've got to open all those boxes up um, so it is important to create an understanding um, but at some stage you've got to throw all of that out and just let it all be sort of thing which I know very confusing anyway all right, I hope that answers um, those questions. And as I said, if you've got any questions, put them in the description below, in the or in the comments below. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can leave me a voice note on anchor.fm if you'd like to do that. Um, and yeah, 
I'll see you next week. Have a good one for now. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by, well, myself, Lee W. Johnson. To find out more about me, please visit my website at leewjohnson.com or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. If you like the video format, then subscribe to my YouTube channel, where I also host a live show every Friday with Rev Kai called The Black Hat Chat. It's just two witches chatting about traditional witchcraft and other topics. That's me for this week. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.